Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, December the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I hope everybody had a fantastic Christmas and holiday season. Mine was filled with family and food, but enough about that. We are shifting into another gear here in the post-playoff hopes period of the 2018 season. And up first, the Harbaugh rumor wheel continues to spin. We'll discuss that, plus a three-year plan to restore the pride of this once-proud franchise, plus players to keep a close eye on Sunday in Buffalo, the one big thing, and a special guest. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the entire network. And in this episode, we are beholden to no one. So let's go ahead and jump right into things. That's another Miami Dolphins So I was thinking about some ideas for the podcast this week because, frankly, I don't think anybody wants to get a full in-depth preview of what we're calling a U-Haul game in Buffalo. A U-Haul game is when the players on both sides have nothing to play for other than getting their U-Hauls packed and ready to go back home for the offseason. And that's what we have this Sunday in Buffalo with the Miami Dolphins at 7-8 and and the Buffalo Bills at 5-10. and Both teams going nowhere fast. So, like I said, I don't want to give you the matchups, the breakdowns, play-by-play, player-by-player, position-by-position. I will give you some key youngsters to watch for down the line for the 2019 season. We'll get to that here in a minute. But one of the things I was thinking about on Christmas as I was kind of trying to piece together a podcast for the post-Christmas Day podcast was what are some things to get excitement back in Miami, some ways to get people encouraged about this football team again. And I wanted to kind of lay out my own three-year plan Not unlike Sid from Big Daddy, who winds up taking Adam Sandler's girl and then becomes the cook at Hooters, I've got my three-year plan for the Miami Dolphins, and let's go ahead and talk about it right now. So the first thing I really want to install on this football team, to instill into this football team, and I talked about it back on the Finalysis podcast days back in 2016 with Kevin Dern. You guys all remember Kevin Dern, the defensive coordinator of Perfectville back in the day. We talked about what would be the best way to sculpt this team to best fit the conditions of Miami, the hot weather in South Florida, and something that could go on the road and take that show on the road and win in cold weather cities. And it was the same thing then as it is now. And it was built off the idea that Jay Ajayi could be this workhorse running back for the Dolphins back then. And now it's all about a power running game, a team that can wilt you down and break your will in the fourth quarter the way the Seattle Seahawks do. And granted, yeah, that Seahawks team can be boring to watch at times on offense. They can be just stuck in the mud on offense as far as getting anything done points-wise, yards-wise. They've had some absolute stinkers, but because they have this identity and this foundation they can always go back to, they're consistently a winning football team. Good defense, good running game, and a quarterback that can make plays when you need it, always having it there in your back pocket. So the first step to this entire three-year plan is a coach that will institute fundamentally sound football and an identity to win the game in the trenches. That is number one. We can wilt teams away in what Adam Gaze referred to as the hot box down in Miami. And that's why I like both the Harbaugh's. I think either of those guys are going to come to Miami and give 
you a strong offensive and defensive line and a strong running game, and they're going to stop the run. Those are my principles that we start with, the foundation to build off of. But it doesn't have to be the Harbaugh guys. It can be anyone that has that mentality. And real quick on that that coach's search that everyone seems to be weary of or that we should keep Adam Gaze because it can get worse or you're not going to find anybody better. Come on. There are coaches all over the place that we don't even know about if they're good coaches or not. Did you guys think that Frank Reich was going to come into Indianapolis, their third choice after Josh McDaniels and John DiFilippo? I think it was DiFilippo. It could have been someone else. But he was the third choice for the Colts, and he comes in, and he's a Coach of the Year candidate. He's awesome. Sean McVay was a nobody before he got hired in L.A. Don't worry about big names. Coaches are good if there are good coaches. And frankly, we just sometimes can't know if they are or not. So there are plenty of coaches out there to be had. Don't hang on to Adam Gaze because it's better than what else is out there. That is entirely hogwash. Step number two, and this could be simultaneous with step number one. And granted, there's one particular quarterback that might be available that I have my eye on. And you guys all know who that is. But after or even during... I feel good about my trench play on the offensive and defensive lines. I drop a rookie quarterback into the mix with that cheap salary that allows you to fill the holes in your team through free agency, pay your own guys, whatever you have to do salary-wise, the cheap quarterback offers that going from $25 million on the cap to something like a $3 or $4 million hit per year. A big, big difference key in roster building. So my young quarterback that can play more of a caretaker role while he develops all the traits to become an elite NFL quarterback, but a guy like Kyler Murray that has that inherent playmaker trait, that trait where he can get out of trouble and erase a free rusher. Essentially a guy that just gives you another way to win football games. And you recall the episode, I think it was last week, maybe the week before that, talking about the guys on the Move the Sticks podcast and they have to find a way, find multiple ways how you can win football games. You can run the ball down their throat. You can go to a playmaker quarterback. You can take the ball away on defense. So finding multiple ways, Kyler Murray supplements that both in the passing game, but also making your play caller look good when he makes a bad play call or just beating the defense when they made a good play, but they weren't good enough to beat a great quarterback. And we saw with Russell Wilson in 2012, that that caretaker mentality, Dak Prescott in 2016 with the Cowboys, it's possible to have that quarterback on your roster and build him and develop him while you win games immediately. And if you can't get Kyler Murray this year, that goes on to step number three, go into 2020, that draft class with the plan that you will find your quarterback and there should be plenty available. We all know about Tua Tungavailoa. We know about Jake Fromm from Georgia. Jacob Eason from the University of Washington could become available. And frankly, personally, I would settle for Trevor Lawrence in 2021, not settling for him, but settling for waiting till 2021 because he is that special. So there are quarterbacks coming out galore. And I think the changeover of the old guys, Brady, Roethlisberger, Eli, Rivers, all of them with the young quarterbacks we have in the NFL and this crop coming up the next couple of years, the quarterback landscape in the NFL is going to change and Miami has to get in on it sooner rather than later. And the other note on this idea is that the other teams in the AFC East, they kind of suck. I mean, if the Patriots go backwards, like I think we all expect them to, as Brady gets older and continues to actually look old this year, which is so freaking nice to see, if Bill Belichick retires, the Bills are pretty awful. The Jets, people are pumped about Darnold for a couple of games, but he's okay, I guess. The team sucks around him. The AFC East is wide open for business. This is not the time to drag your feet, kick the can down the road, get aggressive, go seize the fact that the AFC East is open again and take the reins on it and bring a whole new program in and just be aggressive in that approach. That's what I want. 
So step number one is to develop that identity both on the offensive and defensive lines and get yourself playing to your own conditions, something that can go on the road in December to Buffalo, but also wilt teams away in the September Miami Heat. Step number two, find yourself that quarterback and bring him along slowly as a caretaker before you unleash him as a full-blown playmaker. And then number three is basically just have it all marry together, the salary you save on the quarterback position, putting into your own players, building a complete and entire full roster with one vision in mind under one head coach, one decision maker, one direction the entire way. That's the three-year plan. That's how the Dolphins can get back to the top of the AFC East. And hopefully, hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. All right, so I wrote down a few players to watch on Sunday in Buffalo. We'll get to that list next. And also welcome on a very special guest here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. We are going to have a very special guest here in just a second in the spirit of Christmas. But before we do that real quick here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, I wrote down a few players I think we should check out on Sunday that really kind of go outside the mold of what we've been looking for all season in terms of individual evaluations. Obviously, everybody on the field gets evaluated every Sunday. But I wrote down some players we should keep an eye on that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have thought of. And these are the guys up first. This doesn't fall into that category, but Minka Fitzpatrick as a free safety. I want to see more of him back there as much as I possibly can. We're going to have two game tapes of it, hopefully, if they put him back there against Buffalo. I think that's a crucial evaluation going into 2019 where he should be full-time. And then second, Jalen Davis in the secondary also had the sack, had a forced fumble, had a big pass disruption on a third and goal play down in the end zone. He is a slot specialist particularly, and the Dolphins could use some depth in that position, but also just have more defensive backs you can put onto the field so we don't have linebackers like Kiko Alonso playing third and 12 and giving up a league-high conversion on those particular plays. Cornell Armstrong, for the same reasons, I think that Jalen Davis has shown more bite than him, but I do think Armstrong has talent and can play. He's aggressive and physical. I want to see him get some run at cornerback. Stephon Anthony got some run in replace in place of Mike Hole, who was in place of Kiko Alonso with all the injuries stacking up at linebacker on Sunday. I know he's probably a lost cause, but hey, let's see him get some snaps at linebacker and see if he can make something of this tenure in Miami. Kalen Balaj, we all know what he can do with the football in his hands as a receiver, as a runner. I want to see him get unleashed and carry the load in this game, hopefully. And then something, just anything from the tight end position, whether it's Mike Kosicki or Durham Smythe, I just want to see some goddamn tight end production in this game, preferably from Gasicki. And then last, I doubt this happens because Adam Gaze mentioned that last year they made the mistake of calling up some young guys and playing them in roles they weren't necessarily ready for to play in that game. I think Zach Stirrup at left tackle is a prime example of that. But why not call up Isaac Asiata for this game? I know he's not good enough to play in the NFL. He probably isn't. If he hasn't developed at all at this point, what makes you think he's going to at any future point? But put him out there and play him at left guard. He can't be any worse than Ted Larson. So just do it. I want to see him. All right, so I talked about how we were going to do something different on this episode. It's a Christmas episode. It's late. It's like 10 o'clock out here on the West Coast. I've probably had a little more whiskey than I should have had today. And we're going to do this different segment with a unique guest, someone that I haven't had on the show before. And you guys know that I have a brother. He's three years my senior. We basically competed in every sport growing up against one one another, basically from the time that I could walk to even the family gatherings back at mom's house well into our 20s. And he's here now with me on the podcast and joining the Lockdown Dolphins podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network is another Wingfield, my brother, Ryan. Ryan, Merry Christmas and what's up, man? Did you finally get that constipated kids of yours, my nephew, to take that big old dump yet? 
<laughs> uh, the dump was successful, and the, the boy has passed out as of now. So we were over at their house for Christmas doing the celebration stuff and the the, the gifts, and the, the, the nephew is my, my little nephew, Max. He's three years old. He had a bit of a problem with his, his butt. He couldn't, he couldn't pass his, uh, pass his dinner, so to speak. And I, by the time we left, I guess he finally got it out. So that's the way we tar- start this conversation with you guys. But we're going to go ahead and change gears here and talk about just kind of growing up as Dolphins fans in the Northwest, I, I suppose. And the reason I wanted to have Ryan on was because he put a, a really nice post about me on Facebook uh, after the Buffalo Bills game when I, when I first covered the team at Hard Rock Stadium, kind of talking about me growing up as a Dolphins fan and how we had this closet full just packed full of VHS tapes back in the day because I recorded every game. I watched them all summer long over and over and over again. So I get the question all the damn time about how I became a Dolphins fan living out here in the Northwest. And frankly, I don't really have a great answer for it. And maybe, Ryan, you can enlighten the listeners a little bit. What do you distinctly remember about me morphing into a young Dolphins fan? Yeah, sure. I mean, first I would say uh, more recent, I, I... When we went to the the Seahawks game a couple of years ago in Seattle, like, we got to a point where when people were asking us um, why why Miami, I think we just started saying we were from Fort Lauderdale <laughs> yeah. because that's become the the easier easier route. But uh, taking a time hop back to the early mid '90s, when I think I was in third or fourth grade, um, when those big poofy starter jackets were all the craze and all the cool kids had them, I think the the first uh, color of choice for me for whatever reason was that aqua and orange. So I, I was rocking the uh, the Dolphin starter jacket in the, uh, I guess, the end of the, the Marino era and uh, while they were still a decent team. And I think one year I just decided to move on to probably whatever the next cool thing was, <laughs> maybe Tar Heel Blue or something like that. And then you got the, the hand-me-down. Um, I think you took it and kind of ran from there. Before that, you were just a more of a football fan, not a specific team. Your, your uh, closet looked like a fantasy football team closet with all the different – players from Terrell Davis to Charles Woodson to Ricky Williams to the Saints, not Dolphins. Yeah. Um, so I think you kind of just uh, finally found your calling when I gave you that hand-me-down jacket, and, and here we are 20 years later, and you're, that's, uh, you stuck with it a lot longer than I did. <laughs> I, yeah, I sort of stuck with it just a little bit here during the podcast, talking about them every single day of my life. And you yeah. talked about some of the novelty items we had. I remember we got these belt buckles, which we don't fucking do rodeo, or we don't wear <laughs> Wranglers. We don't do any of that type of stuff. But we got these belt buckles for some reason. And I think I was on a Saints <laughs> kick at the time, and you were still on your Dolphins kick. And I think we traded or something. I, I remember getting the Dolphins belt buckle. So we had all this weird shit, and it was always Dolphins was always around me. So it just kind of became something that it stuck with me, I guess. And I remember that back in the late 90s, early 2000s, we didn't have the Sunday ticket at the time, and the Seahawks were bad. They were just a bad football team. And we would always watch the Monday night games. Our parents had like a church group in the other room, and we watched Monday night games. We'd get locked in the, in the den watching football, and the Dolphins were always on, and they always won. I think that was a big reason why. And so it just kind of stuck to the point to where mom and and our stepdad Steve and and Ryan they accepted the fact that we were huge Dolphins fans and they even took us to Miami for a Dolphins Eagles game back in 2003 and we got just stomped out I think that was the official end of the season in terms of trying to qualify for the playoffs but then we went again five years later in 2008 and mom bought us tickets after the Dolphins had beaten San Diego in week four that was the game after the Wildcat game and I'll never forget it it was the two Wildcat games had just put me over the moon on this team because the four years prior to that were brutal 
I mean, four and 12, nine and seven, six and 10, one and 15, pure ouch city. So mom being the saint that she was, bought us these tickets to fly to Miami to get a hotel for like five or six days. And we proceeded to go down there and watch Matt Castle go up and down the field and whoop the Dolphins ass, something like 42 to 28, I think it was. So technically you had pulled me into Dolphins fandom at a young age. And I, th- I think at some point you kind of got off the wagon and I eventually pulled you back into the dark side and made your sports life miserable once again. <laughs> and I'm just curious if you can kind of enlighten listeners and tell them about th- how my bad luck as a Dolphins fan isn't nearly as bad as what yours was. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, what, what kid really stays loyal? It's, it's <laughs> whoever won the Super Bowl or maybe who your parents root for or, or whatever toy you may have had. So I, uh, I, like I said, I left with the starter jacket and went on to the next thing. And I would say, you know, I, after that, when I actually started watching football with, uh, I guess as a better fan, more routinely knowing the players and things of that nature, other than just the quarterback, um, I, I stuck with Seattle cause that was the, the hometown team. And, you know, I followed them up to the Super Bowl appearance where they got gypped against the, the Steelers. Um, and then after that, I, I think I just saw you watching them so much and it was so much of a, a family thing where I would sit there and watch you scream at the television. And, <laughs> and, uh, so I think I kind of just jumped back on, especially after that, those trips to Miami. And, uh, now you're right. I'm back in that perpetual cycle of mediocrity of, of, uh, wanting to throw my TV off the, the mountain wall every Sunday. So I do appreciate it, but it's a family thing at this point, and I think that's why why I like it so much and why I've, I've stuck with it. I probably will for, for the end of time now. You made a time hop reference earlier in the episode, uh, and I actually pulled my time hop up yesterday on Christmas Eve and tonight on Christmas as I record this podcast on the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, your Wednesday, December the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And the first video was me sweeping up logos of the Bills and the Jets that I had printed off my computer because the Dolphins in 2016 swept the Bills and the Jets. And then the time hop today on Christmas was the video of you and me popping champagne because the team fucking qualified for a wild card playoff berth. <laughs> so that tells you how just starved we are as Dolphins fans on this team. And if you want to take real pity on people as sports fans, take it on me and Ryan because we are lifelong Dolphins fans, or at least he, you know, he went through the Seahawks period when they sucked and then got back on the Dolphins train when they got good again. We are lifelong Mariners fans. That never changed because the Mariners were always awesome in the 90s. And we've been on, what, a 17-year playoff drought now? I think it is. Yeah, it's probably going to be another 10. Yeah, not looking any any good anytime soon. The Supersonics just left. They don't even exist anymore. So every sports team we've loved has basically just let us down over and over and over again. But Ryan, family and and football and sports it's kind of what we do it's what we love and I mean I I thank you for getting me into sports and I think you know we played sports as kids and that was definitely a big part of that too and just doing this podcast with you man it was a lot of fun thanks for taking the time to chat with me even though I just left your house about an hour ago uh Merry Christmas man I love you guys and I hope the family's well yeah thanks for having me appreciate it it's fun being on all right and off goes the other Wingfield we're gonna finish this thing up next with the one big thing here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. It's a post-Christmas edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast here, and we're going to go ahead and transition this thing as I kill the music right away on that one as we take an immediate jump right in to the one big thing. One big thing. Here we are again. It's Christmas, the Dolphins are in that unenviable position of limbo in the NFL where few teams exist, the Redskins, the Titans, and the Dolphins, to name a few. 
sort of seemed to just exist, at least in the eyes of fans of other teams in the league. But the mediocrity over the last decade plus, as frustrating as it all is, will eventually bring on the big payoff. Hell, at this point, I think any of us would be thrilled to just get into the final four of the postseason, maybe even the final eight. We are a starved people. There have been times where I found it difficult to give this team my full, loving, undying support. I always did. It was just tougher at times. The end of 2015, or just 2015 in general. The back end of 2011. Notice the common theme with those two particular years. Remove the heartbreak in 2004 with Ricky Williams. The common theme is keeping inadequate coaches one year too long. I know many don't agree with my 180 turn on Adam Gaze. My position was and remains that he had a chance to right some wrongs. I thought he would, but he refused to get off of his own stubborn path of self-destruction. This isn't me disagreeing with who he plays over more deserving players or the inability to field a competent coaching staff. This is about injecting excitement back into the fan base. I just can't fathom entering 2019 with Adam Gaze in the big chair and thinking to myself, this team can become the next Bears or the next Rams, that quick turnaround team. There are, however, avenues to be taken that will get me all the way back in on the exuberance train. I've laid them out for you guys on this podcast on this very episode. Steven Ross has to do two things this offseason. He has to generate buzz, and he has to find a way to win games. And while winning remains the most important, I don't think retaining Adam Gaze accomplishes either of those two feats. Okay, you guys have heard me talk about all week. This is going to be a different week as far as structure goes. And beyond the week after this, the new year, everything's probably going to take on a new shape as we get into a new season here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. It's no longer going to be football season, but the off season, we're going to have senior bowl, draft stuff, schedule release day, the free agency period, the new signings, all the film work up on LockdownDolphins.com. If you guys recall, the longtime listeners of this podcast Last offseason was when we kind of made our name as a big-time podcast, a big-time threat on the internet as far as covering the Miami Dolphins team with our quick and very detailed analysis on all the newcomers, all the reports. We were the first ones to have the schedule leaked, the first ones in the universe, really, as far as the Miami Dolphins go. I was the very first Twitter account, at NFL to have the schedule up back when it came out in April. And so we're going to have plenty of, plenty of content for you guys throughout the course of the offseason. Later this week, maybe next week, I'm going to have Joe Shad come on the podcast. He's going to give us some nuggets, some insights, some stuff that he knows about the team that maybe some of the rest of us don't know. Plus other episodes, we're going to preview the offseason with some budgets, some dollar amounts committed to certain positions, how they should structure newcomer salaries with what they already have, all kinds of offseason stuff for you guys on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the number one source for all your daily Dolphins information, analysis, news, everything you need to know about this Miami Dolphins team. But with that, that is going to be my time on the podcast today. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that rating. Leave us the review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you.